0: Western evangelicals are careful about how we spend our money. We're all consumers, of course, customers at one level or another. And we have different mentalities about how we spend. Some of us are extravagant because we believe we get what we pay for, so we're willing to pay. To get the best, you've got to be willing to pay for it. Others of us are value shoppers. We don't need the best, but we don't want to be stuck with the worst either. So we want a good value for the money. We want some bang for the buck. Others of us pride ourselves on scoping out garage sales and thrift stores, finding that diamond in the rough that just needs a screw replaced or a decent scrubbing, and it's as good as new for a buck ninety nine. We all spend on different things in different ways, and it's the same with our energy. We spend our energy on different pursuits, whether they are vocations or vacations, side hustles or hobbies. If you'll turn with me to Isaiah 55.2, Isaiah 55.2, our text for tonight, we will hear God as he asks us why we spend our resources and energies as we do. But his question goes beyond our consumer spending to the heart that drives it. It's about why we try to find satisfaction for our souls from the pleasures and pursuits, the priorities or politics that we invest ourselves in. Whether it's leisures, luxuries or lusts. There's apparently a lie underneath All of them because God exhorts us to reflect on the reasons for our investing our hearts wherever we do. So we have a question, a counsel, and a contentment. A question, a counsel, and a contentment. Isaiah fifty five, two. Why? Why do you spend your money? for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. So first a question. The form of our first sentence is a rhetorical question. Why? God is not seeking information. There is no good reason, and He knows it. And He wants us to know it. Whatever our rationale for investing ourselves as we do... If it's not investing ourselves in some way in relation to God and the gospel, then our rationale is a non-sequitur. It doesn't follow. It's like listening to someone trying to make an argument who doesn't know how to make an argument. (laughs) You're just stating things. But one proposition doesn't follow from the other. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't hold water. Our rationale is not rational. You don't go to the bread aisle in the grocery store to buy a picture of bread or an empty plastic bag that says bread on it or bread that is already molded. If you bought a loaf of bread and brought it home and discovered it was Play-Doh, you would be ticked because you got ripped off. But we do not think it through like this when it comes to our investments or our imaginations, the theater of our thoughts, the satisfaction of our souls, or whether we truly profit from our pleasures at all. So soul, ask yourself, why do you spend your assets and energies on what you know does not satisfy your heart? Why do you do that? Entertainments, appetites, ambitions, relationships, imaginations and fantasies, escapes from reality, devotion to succeeding in matterless pursuits, Grist for the gossip mill, the venting of your anger, the indulging of your lust, even wallowing in self pity. Why do you do that? Is it the pleasure of it? It's fleeting. Is it how important it makes you feel? That significance is a house of cards. The relief, or release of emotional pressure that is immediately replaced by the moral pressure of your own guilt. Or maybe it's the rest that comes from just checking out of life and thought and effort. That's a restless kind of rest compared to the rest that Jesus gives you when you let him put his harness of discipleship on you To learn from him. Come to me, all you are heavy laden and weary, and I will give you rest. How? Take my yoke on you and learn from me. That's how. That's where rest is. Rest is in the harness of discipleship to Jesus. There is a spiritual version of scrolling through a social media feed or staring at your smartphone right before you try to go to sleep. A spiritual version of that. That you think is going to give you rest. But it's really just a meandering around for meaning. And looking for love where you assume everybody else is finding it where the world and worldliness tells you to find it, where your flesh wants to seek it out and suck it out like a straw in a milkshake. Now, don't get this wrong. This verse is not telling you that you should not work hard at your job. It's not telling you that you should not enjoy sweetness in your marriage and family or that you should not get adequate sleep at night. It's not saying that you should not enjoy God's good gifts, but it is saying that you should not idolize them as if you can get a kind of pleasure or meaning out of them that you can only get from your walk with Christ in discipleship to Him. And you should not seek from them either sinful pleasure or a kind of meaning and importance in your life that only comes from communion with God and Christ. Jesus is bread. Jesus is bread for your soul. Bread. Bread. Bread is almost a four-letter word today, isn't it? A lot of us are trying to avoid bread. Bread. And man, the more you try to avoid bread, oh, the more you want some bread. <laughs> I had bread last night at the zoo's house. Oh, my word. It was so soft. It's so easy to chew, but it had a nice kind of crunchy crust on the outside. It was delicious. I put some butter on it. Oh, bread. It tastes good. It's nourishing. It puts meat on your bones, and bread is filling. I mean, there's a kind of regret that you have when you eat bread if you're trying to watch your girlish figure. But, man, in the moment, you never regret eating bread, do you? Like, man, that was good. I'm thinking about having some more. Bread. Now, sin is soft to chew and tastes good, too. But sin is a diet of donuts. I had a donut the other day, too. (laughs) I was told it was bad for me. I know, I know, I know. But it is childish for us to fill up on sinful sweets and then tell Christ we are too full to pray or read scripture or come to church. That doesn't fly with your heavenly father any more than it would fly with your earthly mother. It is childish for us to work ourselves ragged for the sake of our ambitions and appetites and bank accounts and then tell Christ we are too tired to do evangelism or disciple another Christian or serve in the nursery. To say those things to Jesus is to invite this rhetorical question from him. Why do you do that then? Why are you living your life like that? You cannot answer that question. No one can answer a divine rhetorical question. And God knows it. So God says in the next sentence, listen to me. <laughs> rhetorical question followed by your silence, my silence, followed by listen to me, the counsel. The counsel. Listen Diligently to me. Listen. You have nothing to say in response to my why question, so now it it is time for you to listen to God. God says to us here, stop acting like you don't need to listen to me. Stop acting like you know where real satisfaction is. Stop acting like you know how to get the best deal on satisfaction of your soul. Cheap pleasures wear thin quickly. Addictions hide increasing costs. Even when you spend top dollar, all the world has sold you is a bill of goods. Your soul is getting ripped off by the world. And our stupid hearts just keep shopping at that same store. Albert Einstein is famous for saying that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So stop talking about your latest purchase or investment. Stop telling God what you're hungry for and then criticizing Him for not giving it to you. Maybe you're hungry for the wrong thing. Stop telling God what you think you want and need when it's different from what you know He wants for you to want. And you listen to Him talk to you in Scripture. Listen diligently. If you're not listening to Him, why should He listen to you? If you're not reading His Word, that He has spoken to you so clearly, then why in the world is He going to listen to you talk to Him? He has already spoken volumes to you. And if your prayers don't reflect that, I think God is looking at you with raised eyebrows. You're really going to pray that to me after I've said this to you? This is God's counsel to you. In your frustration and sadness and sin and despair, listen and listen diligently. Listen hard. Listen intensely. Listen and meditate On what God says. Think about it. Read scripture slowly, thoughtfully, prayerfully. Don't give up when you don't get the meaning the first time. Ask God what it means. Pray about what you're reading. Listen diligently. When you have a close friend or a family member, and you're in a conversation with them, and you're like, I'm not sure I understand what you mean, you better ask them, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. Can you explain that? If you don't ask that, your conversation's not going anywhere. You've got to be able to communicate. And if you don't understand and listen to what God's saying, and you don't ask Him, what do you mean when you say that when you're reading the Bible, you're cutting the conversation short. Not Him. He wants you to ask Him. Listen diligently. This is what Proverbs is telling you is the way to wisdom. Not just to listen carelessly or while you're doing something else or every once in a while or when you feel like it, but if you seek it like silver. If you seek wisdom in God's word like you work at your job for money. If you listen to God's word like you're looking for the next get rich quick investment. If you search for it as for hidden treasures, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, but not until then. It can't be a side thing. The pursuit of God is not a casual weekend hobby, as interested as we are in the Lord's Day. If you devote half the energy you devote to getting money to the things of God and His wisdom, you would be ten times as rich in soul as you are now. That's what the Bible says. Seek it as silver. How how else do you take that? So listen, and listen diligently, and concentrate on what God's saying to you, and stick with it. In a classroom, there are students who daydream out the window and avoid eye contact with the teacher. Some of you know that person pretty well because that person was you. And there are students who make eye contact with the teacher and take notes that maybe some of you made fun of. <laughs> Which are you when it comes to being a student of God's character and ways with us in Christ? You just daydreaming out the window? I hope not. Listen diligently to me, God says. Not to the world, not to your flesh, to me. Alertly, prayerfully, thoughtfully in Scripture. And third, the contentment in the covenant of Christ. Eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. That is God's counsel to you. That's pretty sweet counsel. Eat what is good, delight yourself in rich food. That's a command? Yeah, God commands you, eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. That's really an inviting and attractive, isn't it? Eat what is good. Delight ourselves in rich food. Where do I sign up? Yeah, where? What is it that's good? What is rich food? What is it that God says will delight us? It's the bread of life, Jesus Christ. It's communion with Him. It is God's covenant with his people in Christ. That's actually where Isaiah goes in verse 3. Incline your, your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. It is Jesus as our new and better David. The good shepherd and overseer of our souls. It's communion with him. In prayer and in his word. And with his people. That's eating what is good. That's good for your heart. As our overseer, he wants us. He wants to see us more often in prayer and in the study of his word and in the fellowship of his saints talking about those things. As our shepherd, he wants us to feed in green pastures and he wants to lead us beside still waters. So don't wander. Don't wander away from the flock. Don't wander away from the shepherd. Stay close. Stay close. What God means then is that You will never regret whatever investment you make in your walk with Christ, whether in your own devotion personally or here at church or in your priorities in life and why you live where you live. You spend your assets and energy on lots of different things in this world that do not satisfy your heart. I know what it's like. I live here too. And when God asks you why you do that we don't have as good a reason as often as we should. So listen to God as your soul's consumer advocate. Listen to Him and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear to Him. Come to Him Here, that your soul may live. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that we have spent our imaginations and hopes and dreams, our time, our energy, our money, On many things that are not bread, and that the world has told us will satisfy our hearts when they don't. They don't satisfy. Our sins leave us empty and guilty. Our pleasures leave us either addicted or sad or guilty. Our ambitions have not been high enough because they have not been taken up into your kingdom, into your glory, into the glories of Christ. But Lord, you do call us to live in this world, and so we pray that you would give us wisdom. Give us wisdom to understand how to view job and marriage and children and singleness and church. But we confess that we have not always delighted ourselves in rich food. We have not eaten what is good. And sometimes we're not sure it tastes that good. So we'll change our tastes, change our view of rest, change our view of what rich food is, make the gospel look increasingly sweet to us, to taste sweet to us. After having tasted so many of the saccharine pleasures of sin, Give us a taste for the clean sweetness of the gospel, of communion with Jesus Christ and his people, through your word, and by your spirit, and for Jesus' sake, amen.